0: I'm Joseph. And I'm Nick. And this is Fish Jelly. Uh, How are you? I'm good. How are you? Okay. Wait, are you? Wow. <laughs> I've been sick for like a week. Yeah. At first, I, well, I feel like I've been sick twice. There was like a day when I thought I was okay. I did get a COVID vaccine booster, so I wonder if that's making me feel more icky.
1: Well, because <laughs> I guess technically you're not supposed to get it if you're not feeling well.
0: Well, I was reading that. If 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 you have symptoms and you get it, it, the efficacy of the vaccine is not affected. It's just that symptoms would may be compounded, so an individual would feel worse, which I suppose is what happened to my dumbass. Well,
1: and you don't have COVID,
0: and I don't have COVID. So, um, but today I actually feel better than I have in a while. Oh,
1: good. Yeah. All right. Um,
0: we haven't recorded in two weeks because I was on a cruise. Mm-hmm. I could talk about the cruise for a second. Do it. Get it. Uh, I found out two people died on the cruise, which is not unusual uh, oh, that people die on the cruise. <laughs> Typically, it's from drug overdoses mm-hmm. but um, so that's but you know, it's kind of sad to hear. Did you get um, any details? Uh, no, oh. we'll accept who they are when they were two younger people. Oh, they were younger people, yeah, so it it wasn't because you know, sometimes it'll be like a heart attack that's not related to drugs, but mm-hmm. You know, as we anyone who's ever been into a sex club or bathhouse knows, you can't mix meth, poppers, and Viagra. Uh So, I don't know what happened to these people, but obviously, um, if you're a person who parties, uses drugs, you should probably be aware of a few things. You should probably carry Narcan around with you. Mm -hmm. Uh Don't let this be the denouement of your life as a 25 year old and narcan's available over the counter like you can go to cvs walgreens and just get it
1: and you can get tests you can get test strips to uh test for fentanyl and things now to you know uh, come on let's be responsible about our irresponsibility yeah
0: so that happened uh kathy griffin performed on the cruise <sighs> i thought you said she died no um i really like her she of course you know suffered from she was kind of canceled for five years after the Donald Trump thing and the investigation and couldn't get work. Mm -hmm. So this is her first time back touring. I thought she was as funny as she's always been. It was much more dark than I was used to because a her comedy previous to the Trump thing was all sort of like situational, a lot of observations about her celebrity encounters, but because she hasn't had any for the past five years, um, she was digging in the crates to some stuff we have heard six mm-hmm. from six seven years ago, so that was a little tired. But what I wasn't expecting is she talked about how she has she became addicted to drugs like prescription pills, and that she attempted suicide. Very, I'm dancing as fast as I can, Stangel Clayberg. It was she. She said, "I know it's dark, but I'm going to make it funny." I don't know that she made it funny enough to take away from the discomfort but it also seemed very much like she needed to talk about it so in that regard i'm glad she did um and i guess i won't say what she said in case people want to listen to her comedy soon todrick hall also performed Mm -hmm. and he's had a lot of scandal in the past year and a half because of his appearance on celebrity big brother and saying all this crazy stuff and then being sued by a landlord for a house that he told everyone he bought but actually he was renting and wasn't paying the rent on it's
1: such a bummer he's so talented and uh he he needs he needs media training he needs to shut his damn mouth
0: yeah because (laughs) he is watching him perform and i've seen him perform i think six times now this most recent performance was spectacular Mm -hmm. and i would say you know watching like beyonce's renaissance tour todrick could do that he was giving i mean it was amazing his voice his dancing ability but he also tried to talk about the scandals and he, again i totally agree he needs media training because the way he talks about it is like <laughs> shh. just 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 don't even talk about it because right. you make yourself sound worse mm-hmm. um and then uh there were a lot of people complaining about the food which i don't normally but i will say of all the cruises i've been on the food on this uh, royal caribbean navigator of the seas situation was probably the worst okay not probably it was the worst um which you know because just the quality the options there's an interesting documentary about um cruise ship cuisine available well just like i mean to feed that many people for a week and how they have to organize the food and how it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they have to sort of also play with food going bad. Mm-hmm. They have finer dining options that cost money. So they will often like sort of pass that food to the free restaurants. So it, it is a very complicated situation, managing the food. And I understand that, but
1: that one, the one I went on with you, which was a gay cruise, but there were all of a sudden, uh, their donuts tasted like onions one day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but
0: this particular cruise ship didn't have, because um, sometimes the, the ships will have more restaurant options that are not, that are complimentary. Mm-hmm. This one didn't. It was just the main dining room and the buffet, basically. So that felt a little limited, but whatever. It's not like I'm a, a food critic. Although we do have a restaurant section now in our
1: yeah, I was say, <laughs> podcast. You've uh, assigned yourself that role, kind of.
0: The final thing I wanted to say is I often think about Chris Rock. He used to have a bit in his uh, stand-up years ago saying that the most racist person you'll ever meet is an old black man. Yeah, I want to update that to the most racist person you'll meet is an old gay white man because <laughs> sitting in like, these spaces and being especially in like the like the dining rooms where I would usually eat alone but then I'm seated next to a group of like older gay men Mm -hmm. and hearing these people talk and I'm I'm making a blanket statement that's a generalization and totally inappropriate but the conversations I would hear were always so similar Mm -hmm. talking about these people like the waitstaff and Mm -hmm. how everyone's sort of like beneath them and not as civilized as they are and so you have to help them and being so condescending to every person they talk to, like they're somehow going to enlighten them. I also experienced that. And I also, I've said before, the 98% of the racism I've experienced in my adult life is at the hands of gay white men. Uh Sometimes it's super overt. um, And then sometimes it is very much like, why are you talking to me like I'm not educated? Condescending. Like I don't mean, yeah. do nice things. Like I don't
1: own a nice home. I don't drive a nice car. I've never been anywhere. Like Oh, but when you can see behind the curtain, I mean, if if you can infiltrate, as in you're a white person that is stuck talking to a bunch of other gay white people, oh, the things that they have feel they have the liberty to say to you. Oh.
0: It's crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. I was thinking about that a lot on the cruise. Like, wow, people really, It, it it's interesting because then it's the same group that's, fighting for like rights very specific to them. And it's like you're just as bad.
1: Oh, but then there's this gutter side that is like ugh, okay. Anyway, I could but, go on and on, but I
0: won't. You, uh we saw that Britney Spears had been pulled over by the cops twice in Thousand Oaks by her home. Mm-hmm. And you watched one of the videos. You showed me, yes. She uh got pulled over twice by the same police officer. He's once, like, I, I remember you. once for speeding and once for like crossing double yellow lines. And I watched the one video because of course the body cam footage got released. And on the second time she got pulled over by the same cop, uh she doesn't have her driver's license on her. Mm-hmm. But the second time when he walks up to the car, she's like, sorry, I had to TT, like <laughs> use the bathroom, I guess. Oh. Uh, my house is right there. I'm so sorry. Like, bitch, what? But hearing her try to talk about, I don't even she shouldn't even be
1: driving. Well, of course not. But uh, she's enjoying her freedom.
0: She was ticketed the first time for speeding. I think she was doing sixty in a forty. But I can't believe that the this cop pulled her over twice. She didn't have her license both times, and like, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like if that would have been someone else, that car would have been towed. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, but he does say, like, I do recognize who you are, but you have to have your driver's license yeah. to operate a motor vehicle. And she's like, well, my security has it. Okay, but you said that last time. Why don't you... Th- that's when I would have been like, so you already know. So we need to tow this car. Uh-huh. But anyway, I th- that lady just seems... <laughs>
1: poor thing. I don't know. It's... I don't know if I want to say poor thing. Like, Yeah, of course. I think that...
0: All her fans think that she is a hundred percent capable, so then she should be handled as such. Oh
1: no, she is certainly not. But... I don't think she is. But then I get nasty messages about talking about Britney Spears. Oh no, I did. I did. I just feel bad for her. I, yeah, she has uh, a lot of resources and money and blah blah blah. But you know, she's one that's had to pay for it in a different way <laughs> that, that we're not used to. That, that she's been through the ringer. And she I, has, and I think she sh- she shows the. Uh, the mental scarring of her experiences. And I don't know. I, I I do kind of wish people would leave her alone. But but she needs to carry her driver's license anyway. And, you, and please
0: stay off of Instagram, girl. Uh, I wanted to talk about Kaiser Permanente. Oh, God, why? Kaiser is so damn ghetto. I like the service I get there repeatedly. And if you work at Kaiser, I hope that you don't
1: that agree. Is, like, I, mean, I hope that you're not one of these. It's people. also a blanket statement. There have been nice people at Kaiser.
0: There are people I deal with, like, there are certain people who I've dealt with regularly who are quite nice, but overwhelmingly, whenever I'm inside of a Kaiser, whether it's sunset, Gardena Harbor city, uh, even the Baldwin Hills, the MLK one, you know, why I'm sensitive. I worked in healthcare for five years. I worked in a nursing home that was specific to people who had been committed for mental health issues. Mm -hmm. It was a hundred bed facility, five stories. I did recreational therapy, but it was like a mental hospital. It was on lockdown. Then I worked in health information services, which, which is basically medical records. And then I worked as a pharmacy technician and this was, you know, damn near 20 years ago. But I remember this is why people, I always comment on HIPAA stuff in our videos. And people laugh but when i worked in healthcare patient privacy and respect were like paramount Mm -hmm. customer service wasn't great like i mean people were difficult and but like privacy and nowadays it's just like i went to harbor city last week to go do my normal labs Mm -hmm. and i had this comment before like a year and a half ago when i had to go there for something it's just so ghetto. Like, you walk into the lab, and it's all first of all, they have someone playing music from a speaker. Mm-hmm. Everyone's having personal conversations. Everyone's on their phone. Like, you sit down, and they don't greet you, and then they act like you're interrupting them. And then while they're looking at your stuff, they're talking to someone about what they did last night and mm-hmm. just non work related shit. Mm-hmm. Then, or you're at the reception desk, and they want to like scream out all your stuff. It's yeah. like, When they ask me for my phone number, my birth date, I sometimes will be like, can I write it down? Like, why do I have to shout out my, I don't want everyone knowing my phone number, my date of birth, like, or, or your, you know, they'll just shout out, like, have you, you know, about these rectal swabs and they'll just shout it out, like, Or you go to urgent care and they want to know like what your issue is. Oh yeah, with twenty people right behind. You. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. I, I remember. You want me to that say that it when burns I'm when I'm I pee like, in front of all these people? I'm like, I need. Do I have to say what I need treatment for right now, girl?
0: Right, like where?
1: Can't you look it up?
0: Where? Where's the privacy? Where's the? You go to the pharmacy and then they. They just want to blurt out. I remember when I worked in the pharmacy, the number one thing that we would get coached on is how to discreetly talk about people's medication. Uh huh. And they we would listen to videos like, if if Mister Robinson's prescription's ready, you don't go, Mister Robinson, your Viagra's ready, right? You know, but I, but now it's like you go and they just. Mm-hmm. They just say right out loud, like, "What's your shit?" And I know that's not everyone. It's it not everyone's like statement,
1: but I, I've had several situations at Kaiser where I've had to uh, vocalize what exactly I'm here for in a small confined space.
0: And I'm sure if I had Blue Cross Blue Shield or if I had, oh, Etna, it's awesome, it, it, it would all be the same. But because I've had Kaiser for how many years now?
1: Since we've lived here, well, for no, ten plus years, about ten, because we had Blue Cross originally. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm.
0: I just. I mean, it's just like, there's no professionalism and this is from the highest level too, you know, these medical doctors ain't shit either. They look at you like you're wasting their time. Like you couldn't possibly know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I understand that they have big workloads and they only have six minutes to talk to me, but it's just like,
1: (laughs) Oh, I remember when we lived over in, uh, the South Bay and we, the closest facility that we went to, and you know, you get reassigned a GP based on the area you're in, and it was some. I remember the nurses being like, "Oh, you're gonna like Doctor So and So. He's so." She didn't use the word dreamy, but it was just like, "Okay, let me let me see the, this clearly white angel. I know you're talking about." And it was it was some like mid thirty something uh, redheaded man who was straight and yes, very handsome. But then when I'm talking about the shit I need as a gay man, he's like, well, you know, abstinence is really the only way that you can not get an STI. And I'm like, I, are, you're telling me this.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, it, it, I mean, again, it's, I feel bad now. Well, I don't feel bad cause I am not happy with Kaiser, but I mean, I, I it, it would probably be any place I went to, but it's just like, healthcare is such shit there's no just trying to get resources like things you want like the hoops you have to jump through, and the, and then it's like oh get on the app and do this questionnaire and like read this pamphlet it's
1: almost like you have to um find a uh you, you have to find somebody that you that you get used to and it's almost like an It feels like backdoor dealings, like we've gone to the same person long enough for to get this one thing we need so I can finally just send one email to get the shit. Right. And and it feels like that is a loophole and it shouldn't.
0: Moving on. Did you see on Halloween night there was a car crash at a pizza shop on Hollywood and La Brea? No. Which is right where we almost bought a house. Um,
1: That's true. Which
0: I really did like that
1: place. Oh, I know what pizza shop that is then, too.
0: Well, a car crashed into it. Do you know whose car it was?
1: Well, you don't know because you didn't hear the story. Uh, Yeah, I didn't read about it. Uh, Alan Ruck. Oh. The actor from from Ferris Ferris Bueller Bueller, and Succession. Who famously wrecked another car in a movie. (laughs) Yeah. He,
0: uh, he ran his Rivian pickup truck, which is that fancy electric, uh, vehicle, into, um, like Uh, right through the side of
1: that pizza shop. Is it a Raffi's pizza? Something, (laughs) some shit like that. Uh, but
0: no charges were filed. I'm not sure, uh yeah Raffaello's pizza raffaloss um, but yeah, isn't that crazy? yeah,
1: okay, goof. it caught
0: my attention when it happened because I'm like, oh my God, I know that exact,
1: yeah, I know exactly where it is, and we did almost get a well, that i technically that was a townhouse there, wasn't it,
0: yeah, and I mean i I think the location would have been.
1: Interesting. Interesting because
0: would've... it's it's like right Hollywood and La Brea is an interesting spot because you it's the beginning of the Hollywood Walk of Fame, mm-hmm. but it's also sort of the corridor to Runyon Canyon. Yeah. So I think while that home would have had ample parking for us, I I think it, it would have felt chaotic. I think, it would. and I think that maybe connecting with people in that area would have been interesting.
1: A lot, like, a well, lot of we already kind of lived over there once, and then we kind of already did live over there and it was not an uh, entirely happy experience uh
0: i've been watching some older seasons of drag race and whenever i watch some older episodes and mike ruiz comes on the screen nick is triggered i
1: can't stand <laughs> that fucking asshole get him Ugh. mike ruiz is a photographer just so fucking fake and condescending, and it's like, who the who the fuck are you telling me what beauty is, sir? Get the fuck off this TV! I can't fucking stand that man. We saw him at a Rite Aid once. Oh. You just you just look like a dumpy older fucking queer. Uh, yes, back in the day when what was that one movie he did that was on like every gay man rented because we had such a lack of options, um, hot boys and blah blah blah. I just. Uh, I, I can't stand the way he speaks. I don't like how he looks. He, it, it just, it, I have a risable response to him in my body. I can't stand him.
0: Uh, people, he's been on a lot of shows like next top model. Uh, but he, and drag race, of course, but he was on that short lived logo series called the a list, New York, the a list, not my list, which had people <laughs> like Lance Bass, uh, well, Lance Bass was kind of on it because uh, Reichen, that whose last name I can't pronounce, who won um, the Amazing Race, he was in a relationship with Lance Bass. Um, there were some other people in there who I really don't recognize, but Mike Ruiz was one of the people. Yeah, I don't like Mike Ruiz. He seems like a douchebag. Yes. <laughs> but I just think it's funny that you react so negatively
1: well what was it you had season six on and they're doing that stupid goddamn fucking photo shoot where they're making these drag queens jump into this pit of foam and i i just want somebody to say shut the fuck up who are you but then he's they're rewarding you know say courtney act who you you made a good comment about how you're rewarding these queens for looking the most feminine but that's not what the fuck dra- the show is telling us that that's not what drag is about yet you are it it's funny rewatching earlier seasons where you can see uh the shifts and the years behind the scenes well it's
0: just like watching america's next top model like when
1: i rewatch season three it's like oh this is just like ugh. like you are so yucky the way you were talking to these people these humans in front of you is so yucky it does really bother me that
0: on drag race they seem to really prize um queens who can present more of a female illusion who are prettier and i just like that's not
1: what drag is but then they're also telling us that's not what drag is but yet you're rewarding these people and and it was just so obvious especially then and g a gun i forgot how much how toxic that bitch is slash was slash i i I, it's hard listening to her
0: but yeah listening to queer people who are who think they're like a-list attractive you know these muscle queens these whatever it's it it's it's unfortunate too because those are the people who have the most difficult time with aging and then someone like mike ruiz who looks like rickety now
1: well well yeah and has clearly had uh things pulled and plucked and and like
0: i often well i've always said this well not always now that i'm older i feel very fortunate that i never was that because now i feel very comfortable in my skin because i didn't lose anything like so (laughs) I don't feel bad for people like him, but I do think it's pro- it's probably a rude awakening to, to one day realize you're not desirable. The way you like the way you act about other people and the criticism you put on other people, that's gonna come back to you.
1: Well, you know that that attitude that he's emulating is exactly like that kind of group of older white gay men. That that's that attitude and that posturing that he has emulated, he has assimilated into, uh, because he was accepted by uh, those members of the community as being validated as hot and sexy. So I I just find that, I find that disgusting and just just toxic. It's just toxic to witness.
0: Moving on, since it's the beginning of November, where you're going to give us your top six uh, releases from October starting with number 6 oh
1: which is more of a, a, a just a footnote shout out but I Nathan Lane in Dicks the Musical needs to be seen needs number to be seen by everyone f- number 5 the Holdovers, the new Alexander Payne, which I think I was shocked that I like because I haven't liked an Alexander Payne film in a while, but uh, I think Paul G. Motti and uh, Divine Joy Randolph give lovely performances. Number four. The Delinquents, which was uh, a, a gem in the crown of Cannes this year, was in the uncertain regard an Argentinian film from Rodrigo Moreno. Um, I think we'll talk about this a little more later, but uh, this was, uh, it's three hours, but I suggest seeking it out number three she came to me the new rebecca miller film which i'm so bummed that people just shit on this movie it opened the berlin film festival this year it, it seemed like everyone hated it uh, but marissa tomei i think is so sweet and lovely in it and i like peter dinklage and anne hathaway between this and eileen i i i, I don't know i i find myself i never a decade ago i never thought i'd say this find myself quite fascinated by anne hathaway Number two. Anatomy of a Fall, which won the Cannes Film Festival. Uh, Very well done. Uh, Procedural legal thriller relationship uh, expose starring the great Sandra Hüller, uh, directed by Justine Triet. And number one. Uh, I really like this film. I was also a little bit bummed to see that I don't think people were as thrilled about it, (laughs) clearly not as much as I was, but I think William Friedkin's remake of the Cade Mutiny Court Martial, his last film, uh, which came out on Showtime, I believe, has some excellent performances. It's a very also lovely swan song for Lance Reddick. uh, And I think Jason Clarke is also fantastic, but definitely worth checking out. Moving on to the restaurant section, people wanted us to talk about
0: Keith Lee, so if you don't know, Keith Lee is an extremely popular TikToker. He has over 14 million followers. And I believe he used to be like a U a UHF or UFC fighter. Or I I could be so wrong right now. I I, I think he was in like sports before. But he I watched some of I had never heard of him, but I watched some of his reviews and he seems like a really sweet guy. He basically um gets food from restaurants Mm -hmm. and then eats it in his car and then gives a very honest review and he's very big on saying like i paid for this food he usually has like someone else go get it so they don't know sure and then he'll and then he always says like you know you shouldn't just trust Mm -hmm. my it's kind of like reading rainbow like you know you should read it for yourself (laughs) but Mm -hmm. he'll give like he he's not one of those like i'm going to be bitchy and say over the top things it's just very matter of fact which is probably why he's so popular okay but recently he was in atlanta he went out there to do a food tour (laughs) and he gave some honest opinions about several restaurants including old lady gang which if you don't know is candy burris's restaurant okay and he had some difficulties really so he said them and Candy even made a video apologizing because he has more TikTok followers than her.
1: <laughs> what were the difficulties?
0: Um, there were various ones from various restaurants. Basically, like he because he doesn't want people to know it's him, he'll send in like his family or whomever's with him to go mm-hmm. get seating, and was repeatedly told like so. The the thing was the 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 ruckus that this all made is that there's this trend in Atlanta specifically. They're saying of these restaurants really just catering to celebrities and influencers. And if you're not one of those people, you get shit service. And then that sort of um, diffused into like a lot of black owned restaurants get bad customer service. So, so that was all sort of enmeshed, but he had issues with like his people going in, like just regular people saying like, I'd like a table for five. And then they tell them like, it's a three hour wait, it's a two hour wait, or them asking, well, can I just order takeout? We don't, do that on busy days really and then um in a couple of the restaurants they saw that it was him mm-hmm. who wanted it and then they like ran out and said no we'll seat you and at one point one of the restaurants they kn- knew it was him and they said oh we'll seat you now and he said well no you give my seat then to the person who's been waiting the longest and they didn't want to do that so they had to figure something out but Uh, I don't know what to say, except like living in LA, we see a lot of, a lot of places get popular very fast. Mm -hmm.
1: And that means I don't need to eat there if I have to wait. And immediately. I'm not waiting more than 20 minutes. Yeah.
0: Immediately. I don't want to go there. No. Because it's like, I'm going to get awful service. Mm -hmm. They're going to rush me. There's a soul food restaurant called Fixin's in uh, downtown LA, like, like LA Live. And... I've tried to eat there more than once, I think twice with you and we, we would,
1: we, well, we waited in line and you, I think saw the service happening and you didn't want to stay. <laughs> and I don't know
0: that it's black owned. It sells like soul food type food. The reason I'm mentioning it is because it's a very trendy it restaurant. Like it's, you know, like if you go on social media, it has a lot of engagement. I did eat there once by myself. I was at LA, I was at the convention center and I had lunch there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the service was horrible and everyone who worked there was acting like you should be lucky that you're even allowed to be here eating food no and eating this food that's mid i mean it's
1: because i could make this better at home i can tell you right now the cornbread
0: was like i mean if el pollo loco made cornbread it would have probably been equivalent and the macaroni and cheese was like el pollo loco macaroni and cheese and the fried catfish was good i will say that the greens were greens
1: No, oh, no, but greens can be used.
0: greens cannot th- these were well flavored greens but it's like the i don't I'm, i mean i don't I, I i know that the stereotype is often like black owned businesses like the service is not the best i don't necessarily want to comment on that i just think that these restaurants that want to there's a place that just opened up on melrose that i often pass that i always see a bunch of like younger people out there taking pictures in front of this shop And it's like, that's all fine and good that even that one restaurant we go to in WeHo, the Thai, what's it called? Queen Violet. Violet. When you look on, if you go on Instagram right now and look up Queen Violet, all the photos are beautiful. Mm -hmm. The food is mid. It's okay. The service is lovely.
1: The service is lovely. But the food's
0: not great. I wouldn't even say it's good. It's okay. Uh,
1: I I mean, I enjoyed it enough. It's just that the versions of everything that I've had, I've had better versions of elsewhere.
0: And then the restaurant itself, it's very uh, photogenic depending on what angle you're in it's
1: ang- you can't look behind the curtain girl or look down mm-hmm.
0: so i think that's a lot of restaurants in la is that they're trendy for a minute but then as you know living here for more than 10 years these places come and go there are certain spots where it's just like they can't hold on because these places they they want them to be trendy and but they're not welcoming
1: i will say we've only eaten there once actually but i really liked open sesame on melrose the lebanese
0: it was. No, it's not on Melrose. It's on Beverly. Oh, Beverly. Sorry, the the problem, though, up. is parking. Sure. So usually we pass by when we're leaving the Grove, but then it's like, where am I going to park? I don't want to walk six blocks. But... Um, um,
1: I ate somewhere without you this week. Oh, where's...
0: Well... Oh. I wouldn't. We need to take a break. Hold on. People have asked why we have to stop at a certain point. So we record the podcast through the Spotify platform mm. and it only allows for 30 minute increments. I'm not sure why I would assume it's to have ad breaks. So that's why we have to do that. But you were saying that you had
1: a, you eaten,
0: you had eaten at a restaurant without
1: me this week, you've been there. We've seen screenings at new house on sunset, oh, that's right. but I was invited to a dinner celebration for andrew hagg's all of us strangers which you've also seen with me Uh, our review drops i think the week it releases in december in december but uh so they're doing all this major marketing for it in la right now but uh searchlight pictures but uh yeah that was really interesting i got to meet andrew who is sweet and lovely and you know we uh we I, I chatted with him very briefly because he had to talk to all these other people. Uh, and I knew a couple of the of the other journalists that were there. And the dinner was fine. Um it was three courses. There was an appetizer course of uh, the charcuterie and salad. and then there were three entree options, which I think was tofu, grilled lemon salmon, and or maybe the chicken was lemon. I don't remember. It was all fine enough, uh, and then the dessert were these finger food things like a uh, lemon macaron and uh, pumpkin shoe, which tasted pretty good. Um, but yeah, it was just fine. Mm-hmm. And I didn't stay. Th- there was a screening going on, and then of course I knew that the the lovely young uh journalist that was doing the q a was asking about the audience i ever heard that uh somebody from the bodyguard soundtrack whose name i didn't catch and kimberly pierce were in the audience <laughs>
0: <laughs> well when i saw all of us strangers uh there were also john ritter's son was there with john us. ritter's
1: son with uh melanie linsky who i believe he's married to you know from yellow jackets yeah
0: they were there uh, uh, Creatures this very them. small screening we went to for that
1: movie and somebody else was too.
0: oh this actor who i made fun of in a
1: movie Saul. Uh, was
0: sitting in front of us.
1: <laughs> uh, Sal Rubinek. Yeah. yeah. and he, I think he was there with his daughter because she was guiding him very gently to the elevators afterwards.
0: Uh, there is something in the sorry to this man section. I um, I was talking shit about Tyler Perry's documentary, Maxine's Baby, saying that he would not show the child or the mother, but I watched the trailer and he his does. child and the mother are in
1: it. Well, that's not quite fair. You hadn't seen the trailer. so you... Yeah, but I was
0: talking kind of loose. Oh, uh,
1: uh, we were talking about Tyler Perry at that dinner too. Oh. <laughs> anyway. Right anyway.
0: Films released we
1: didn't cover Priscilla. You had said you wanted to. I found this. Uh, I saw it in Venice and I, I have a written review for it. And we just didn't have a lot of time because of uh, travels and such. Uh, Sophia Coppola's new film, of course, about Priscilla Presley based on uh, Priscilla's memoir from the mid 80s, Elvis and me, which I did read. Uh, and she clearly co-wrote with somebody. But I, I, Kaylee Spaney won Best Actress in Venice, which I think is ridiculous that Léa Sedu did not win or Emma Stone. But of course, since Poor Things won, I don't think Emma Stone could win the Best Actors Prize. But there were several other uh, actors that I think deserved that award more. But I thought it was very, very mediocre, very gently handled. Uh, you know, I talked to a few journalists in Venice that were enlivened at the fact that Priscilla was there in the audience at the premiere with them. I saw the press screening and I can see how that might enhance your reaction to it um considering Priscilla was on board with this representation but even this film based on the memoir the, this the Coppola's film is even more uh subdued than the memoir because uh Priscilla talks about having an affair right before her divorce from Elvis with uh, her karate instructor and they show oh. the karate instructor in the film but they don't even show that in there so it's like the film can't even give her a moment of sexual pleasure which I find odd anyway mm. Uh, what happens later? What happens? Oh, Meg Ryan directed a film. Oh, oh, that's why she was on the Kelly Clarkson show. Mm-hmm. I bet, co-starring herself and uh, David Duchovny. It's her second film she's directed, and I, I believe it's a. It looks like a romantic comedy. I would watch this. We just didn't have time.
0: All dirt roads taste of salt. I
1: do recommend this film. I saw this out of Sun Anth this year. Uh, it's a very poetic I, I think just because we have so much to talk about and my brain's being lazy, but you know, you could compare some of this to maybe a, a early Malik perhaps. But uh, directed by Raven Jackson, I believe it's the debut. You know, in the cast, Sheila Atim, who played the uh, woman Halle Berry hires to train her in uh beaten is oh, that the, the... lebesian yeah uh who i think is a really interesting screen presence but uh yeah this was uh, definitely worth seeking out a24 film next fingernails i did watch this uh christos niku who believes is a second film after apples which i also liked from 2020, Uh, but this is his English language debut starring Jesse Buckley and Riz Ahmed, and it's one of those kind of lo-fi dystopian tales about where human beings have developed a test to actually determine if a couple's in love, and it includes pulling out a fingernail and putting it in this contraption that measures the percentage that these two are actually in love.
0: Oh, that's right.
1: Um, and I thought it was, I think the core of it is interesting, but it feels so hetero. It, 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 it feel, I it, I kind of like how I feel about David Robert Mitchell's it follows. It's like, this shit does not work with anything outside a strict conservative heteronormative situation. And, and I'm, I'm really increasingly frustrated with nobody examining. Cause even at one point, Jesse Buckley asked her boss played like, by luke wilson because she works at one of these love institutes about how is it is it quite possible that i could be in love with two people at the same time And he says no that's like you being six months pregnant and then getting pregnant again by somebody else it's like this hetero fucking shit i let's expand the frame let's expand our minds here about how this very interesting scenario could likely work uh in more intriguing ways but whatever what do i know
0: (laughs) the marsh king's daughter
1: uh, I was I would be interested in this. I don't love Neil Berger uh, as a director per se, but this sounded interesting enough starring Daisy Ridley as a woman who I believe is trying to get vengeance on the man that kidnapped her mother or something like that. The The title's not good, but... Quiz Lady. We almost watched this, ran out of time, directed by Jessica Yu starring Sandra Oh and Aquafina, which Searchlight released through Hulu, I believe. Next is Radical. I think this was a TIFF film last year directed by Christopher Zella starring Eugenio. I always say his last name wrong, but it's Derbez. Uh, it looks like a drama, comedy drama.
0: Rumble Through
1: the Dark. Graham and Parker Phillips direct this movie starring Aaron Eckert and Bella Thorne. And anytime I see Bella Thorne's name, it's it's like it's like I'm the bee and a toxic flower has revealed itself to me to stay away. Oh, my God. I don't. Bella Thorne is no good as a screen present to me. Lastly, Sly. A documentary about Sylvester Stallone, directed by Tom Zimney, who heretofore has done a lot of musical figure stuff, like a lot of Bruce Springsteen-ish projects and uh, uh, Johnny Cash, I believe. But yeah, he did a movie about Sylvester. Oh, this episode is going to be so long. We watched <laughs> so many
0: movies in the past two weeks. <laughs> yeah, um, I watched the Lifetime movie Michael Jackson: Searching for Neverland. You caught like twenty minutes of it. That was a mess. <laughs> that was a that cap with a capital M. Yeah, I but i did cry at the end though when michael jackson because the end of the movie it so the movie is it stars this guy named navi who i guess is like the world's number one michael jackson impersonator he does look like him navi appears i think he's from trinidad and tobago but he looks he almost he looks like southeast asian to me I don't know where Trinidad and Tobago are. Is that Islands. Southeast Asia? Okay, I don't. Know. Uh, but they're they're
1: two distinctly separate places, I think.
0: He's not black, I don't think, but he's painted white, and he does favor Michael Jackson very much. Yeah, uh... the film is set between like 2006 and to 2009 when Michael Jackson died. Mm-hmm. But um, this uh, this man has a British accent which comes through in the movie. So that already is crazy. But the story is based on a book from one of the men who did security for Michael Jackson for two years. And I will say it's handled in a way that really does show a lot of affection towards the King of Pop. So I thought that was lovely. Um, It does humanize him a lot. It appears the budget was like, you know, Thirty-eight thousand dollars. I don't know. It just has no budget. All of the music is very generic. They only paid for one song, and the one song they play pay for is Bobby Brown's "My Prerogative," which they play like three times in the movie.
1: (laughs) Uh huh. Yeah, that was
0: I caught one of those. But um, I would, if you're a Michael Jackson
1: fan, I I think you would find it amusing. Um, Yes, and Trinidad and Tobago are considered a country amongst themselves but they're both different islands but is that the caribbean mm-hmm. oh, okay yeah, i think it's uh close like close to the coast of venezuela sorry y'all uh, but but yeah those are two different so i don't know which island he's from specifically well next you watched the day and the hour uh, yeah i think i was supposed to review this but i was really bored with it um you Kino Laura put it out on Blu-ray, but it stars the great Simone Signoray, uh, as a French resistance fighter during World War II, And she helps an American GI played by a very boring Stuart Whitman try to cross over into Spain. And that's the gist of it. Uh, it's directed by René Clement, who's probably best known for Forbidden Games. I really like a film he did starring Jane Fonda and Alain Delon called Joy House. Um. The Unknown. Okay, so you watched this with me right before you went on your trip. It is my favorite. Well, it's tied for my favorite Todd Browning film. It's part of that new Criterion set they put out. And it's starring Lon Chaney and Joan Crawford. 1927 silent film. Uh, set oh, Chronibles. I did watch this. I love this movie. I haven't watched it in years and years. Okay, we.
0: the only thing I can remember is Lon Chaney. His character pretends not to have arms mm-hmm. because he's on the run from like police well so he's, he's part of this
1: freak show he's part he throws knives with his feet because he doesn't have arms because when they travel he robs places at night but Lon Haney's like
0: foot dexterity is really <laughs> impressive and so funny mm-hmm. yeah and joan crawford looks really good and different
1: well it's different because it was before she had the crawford look So she didn't do the upside down top lip bullshit. Right. Uh, So she looks just like a very young, pretty thing. And of course, she has a phobia of men's hands. That's right. She doesn't want to be touched. But then the strong man ends up wooing her. And in order to keep up with the competition, Lon Chaney has his actual arms removed oh my
0: god (laughs) he's so in love with joan crawford's character and because she's in love with this man who has arms even though she says she doesn't like to be touched or no because he knows that she doesn't like to be touched and he wants to be with her he has some doctor remove his arms yeah and then he comes back to find out that she's marrying the strong man who has arms, who has
1: huge arms yeah
0: this movie is crazy
1: it is a lot of fun love it
0: Love you it. watched the Island of Dr. Moreau the
1: last remake, the Frankenheimer, I think in anticipation, I'd put it on right before we did the live for the seventies uh, version. Wait, this uh, is the one with Mel M- Marlon, Marlon Brando. and Val yeah, uh, yeah. Kilmer. I, yeah, this is my favorite version, even though Island of lost souls is technically the best of the main three. Uh, but Marlon Brando is so much fun in this and it, it has a vibe despite all the, Oh, maling. Oh, maling. <laughs> I actually would watch it now. Um, I mean, there's a certain dark magic about it that is really good, and I like Feruza, uh, and I love David Thewlis is fine, and Val Kilmer. It it has the mood of what I want from the material. It's just you know knowing how it could have really been. You watched the 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 Mystic, the Mystic, also part of the Todd Browning. It's probably the crown jewel of the Todd Browning set because for a long time this was unavailable. Uh, Starring Eileen Pringle, and it's about a group, I think they're a Hungarian fortune-telling act, and this man is following them around from the States, and he's like, if I take you to the States, uh, we can really swindle these mofos out here, and it's kind of one of those stories, but uh, it it's fascinating and compelling. Family Plot? I rewatched this. It's Alfred Hitchcock's last film in the 70s uh, starring the wonderful Karen Black and also William Devane and Barbara Harris and Bruce Dern. And it's kind of about two different pairs of con artists uh, that end up intersecting in weird ways. And it's kind of a comedy. uh, And I don't find Hitchcock is the best at comedy. I think this is more entertaining for the people involved. I think Barbara Harris is particularly good in it, uh as also a psychic that not maybe is maybe not really good at being a psychic, even though she wants to be. Family plot. I just talked about that. Oh wait, frogs. Mm -hmm. Uh this was a creature feature I've meant to watch for years and just never have and put it on and it's terrible. It's really bad. It's like the birds but with frogs. And it's directed by George McCowan and has a very aged Ray Milan who's I believe trying to do his best Burl Ives Big Daddy cat on a hot tin roof impression, Uh, but it is laughable. There's a young and and very handsome Sam Elliott who's wearing very tight jeans, and you can see his penis in a lot of this film. Uh, It also stars Joan Van Ark and uh, Mae Mercer. You said Sam
0: Elliott and frogs? Yeah. When you see this.
1: Um, Next is where east is east another todd browning film i caught up on outside of the box set that's really troubling and weird and i loved it and it's set in uh somewhere in asia i'm forgetting now but todd or lon chaney is a uh tiger tamer and he has raised his young daughter who's half asian and she falls in love with this man and the man is that Lon Chaney's very kind of sus sus about this man. And then the man meets this older woman who ends up being the strange mother of the daughter he's going to marry. And the mother's like, Oh no, I want this snack for myself. When I post in the community group about
0: the podcast, I'll use the picture of Sam Elliott's, uh,
1: dick print you see it (laughs) oh yeah i mean it's very obvious yeah
0: like girl there's a
1: scene where he's like because ray Milan is in a wheelchair and he's that's what i'm looking at yeah it's
0: (laughs) Like oh, well, okay,
1: no one saw that? No one said, like, hey sam this is really nice but distracting. Did you already talk about the delinquents? Or I is did. this a different version? I, this is the same one, but okay. I think it's a really fascinating story about this it's about these bank employees, and this one guy's like, I could slave away forever and not make any money, or I could take this five hundred thousand dollar deposit or however much it is, uh steal it and give it to uh one of my coworkers to hide it. And serve a three-year prison sentence, and then get out and spend that money. And does it work? Kinda good. There's some pressure, but yeah, it's it's a little long. But there were raves about this at Cannes, so I think that. And I'd missed it there because I couldn't fit one more uh, three-hour film in my schedule. And uh, it's it's worth a look. The fantastic, the
0: fantasist, the fantasist. <laughs> so, for, 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 uh, astrophysicist,
1: astrophysicist, <laughs>
0: the fan, the the. Say this word again, the fantasist, the fantasist.
1: So I'm a huge Robin Hardy fan, mostly because of his debut, the wicker, the The wicker man. He only directed three films in his lifetime. He also wrote novels. But um, of course, the wicker tree in 2011, which is really no good. Everyone was too old by then. And yeah, anyway, Um, but he directed this 1986 film called the fantasist. And it's about a uh, young Irish lass played by uh, Moira Sinise, who's the wife of Gary Sinise. But back then, and she's American, but she puts on a really good Irish brogue. Uh, I, had, I had to read that. I had no idea she was not an Irish woman. Anyway, she's a small-town gal that's going to inherit her daddy's farm. And she's like, I don't want to do that. I want to go to Dublin and sow my wild oats. And she ends up uh, going to the city where there's a serial killer that keeps calling women and saying weird, dirty things. But she's one of the people that gets called and kind of has, you know feelings for that. makes her feel good. And it might be somebody in the same building played by Timothy Bottoms. Mm -hmm. You watched Five Nights at Freddy's? I did. If you had been in town, we would have covered it. I thought this was just okay. Josh Josh Hutcherson is fine. I think that the narrative is fucking stupid. I think that there was a way to write this that didn't make it so goddamn dumb. Uh, And you skipped over the fact that I rewatched the original Shaft. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, uh directed by Gordon Parks. You know, when we think about black exploitation films, we kind of lump everything together. But this is at the beginning, this is at the beginning of what we would define as black exploitation. So, you know, between this and um Melvin Van Peebles' sweet sweet ass is a badass song, these don't feel like black exploitation films. These feel like uh, films directed by black filmmakers that had a perspective and a point of view and uh, were positioning their protagonists uh, for power. And I, I think it's very evident. And I think this this is Richard Roundtree's probably, obviously, his probably greatest film, but it's it's really worth a look. It's got a lot of swagger. Tenebre. uh Probably Dario Argento's last great film from 1982, but it was recently got a 4K Blu-ray Uh, that I was sent and it's fun. I haven't watched this in damn near 20 years, but apparently Anthony Franciosa, who plays this American author crime writer who's in Rome and his latest uh, publication that he's touring with has inspired a serial killer to ape all the killings in it. And I mean, spoiler, it ends up being him. Uh, (laughs) But Argento's wife at the time slash I think they were still married by then. slash mother of Ozzy Argento. Dario Nicolodi, I think, is a lot of fun in this, too. Cobweb. At the AFI Film Festival, I caught up with Kim Ji-Woon's latest film, Cobweb, which is it's almost a great film, but it's a lot of fun. It's about the 70s era of Korean filmmaking, where this director is trying to reshoot uh, against the uh, government approval some two days' worth of shooting that would completely change his genre film that he's making but i will say it is it is a lot of fun and yeah the wicker man so I had a movie night while you were gone for the wicker man and had a couple friends over and i made thematic food uh and this got a new 4k restoration as well and you know what in the new restoration on the blu-ray there are some sequences that i'm not familiar with did you buy the new blu-ray no i was i was supposed to review it mm-hmm. forbidden Sun. Uh, so Robin Hardy wrote this film, which is why I watched it and I found it streaming somewhere the it's also known as the Bull dance. I think that's what it was released as, so which is technically better than the Forbidden Sun. Uh, but this is really odd and does not work, but I was kind of fascinated by it's directed by someone named zelda baron but it stars lauren hutton and clifty young of the thing fame and is the debut of samantha mathis and it's about a young girl that goes to Greece to attend the school run by Hutton and her husband and Hutton's like an ex Olympian and all these, I think it's some kind of athletic related school. I don't remember now, but Mathis gets raped and then the girls perform this strange ancient ritual called the bull dance on the rapists. And it sounds more interesting than it is. Caravaggio's shadow. Uh, I got a copy of this Isabella pair film directed by Michelle Placido from it premiered at the Rome Film Festival in 2022 and technically was not released to this date in the U.S. But it's about Caravaggio, played by Ricardo Scamario. I'm probably saying his last name wrong, um, who at this point in Caravaggio's life had been accused of murdering someone, albeit in self-defense. And uh, the... Catholic Church is has hired somebody It's the only fictional character in the film, played by Louis Garrel, the shadow, to follow him and investigate him over a period of years to see if he should be pardoned. Isabel Pere plays this rich countess who harbors him, uh, much like Elizabeth Taylor did for Michael Jackson.
0: Do not expect too much from the end
1: of the world. Uh, this was a Locarno release directed by the great Radu Jude. Uh, this was, it's a little long, but I will say this, I kind of had a lot of fun with this film. It's about this overworked PA that is tasked with interviewing all these subjects for a potential uh like a commercial about safety for this company that's run by Austrians. And Nina Haas is fantastic in her handful of scenes in this just fantastic, but they end up choosing somebody, some employee to interview that's been injured uh, that currently has a lawsuit against the company for his injury. And it ends up changing everything that they were trying to do
0: revolver.
1: Well, he's, okay, Revolver was a Sergio Salimo film from the mid 70s, starring Oliver Reed, who was well until his alcoholism, alcoholism by then, and Fabio Testi. And it's fun seeing both of these men. Uh, Sergio Salima, is that his name? Well, his son is uh, also a major film director now. I just saw Adagio in Venice. But. Uh, This was just okay. It's about a policeman whose wife is kidnapped by the gang trying to get Fabio Testi out of prison, so he has to band together with this criminal to find his wife. Close Your Eyes. Close Your Eyes is Victor Arise's first film in over 30 years. He was totally screwed over at Cannes this year because uh, he thought he would get a competition slot and got kind of rooked Uh, but this is three hours and also a little long but also pretty interesting film Uh, it's about a a movie that didn't get finished the second film from by this guy because the lead actor suddenly disappeared and 20 some years later this unsolved mysteries like show has approached the director to do a segment on this disappeared actor and it leads him down the rabbit hole of the past and he finds him having lost his memory uh, living with a bunch of nuns in an asylum somewhere Season of the Witch. This was a George Romero film I've never seen that is rough around the edges, but a lot of fun from the early 70s. It's referencing things like The Graduate and um, Rosemary's Baby, which I think is funny. But it's about this board housewife that gets involved in witchcraft. Uh, and the lead actress, whose name is Jan White or something, totally reminds me of this girl I was very close with in college. A Quiet Place to Kill. This is a fun film. It's those one of those cycle of films uh, Carol Baker did with Umberto Lenzi in Italy. In this one, she plays a race car driver who has like a nervous breakdown and has to retire. And she's suddenly invited to her ex-husband's home uh, on the coast. And it's really the new wife that has invited her because she wants to convince Carol to kill the husband. But instead, her and her ex-husband kill uh, the new wife who's rich <laughs> It's, it was actually a lot of fun. American fiction. This was uh, a debut from writer Cord Jefferson. And I cannot wait for you to see this. I saw it at the AFI Film Festival. I think it premiered in Toronto. Uh, it stars Jeffrey Wright. I, Sterling K. Brown is really good in it. Uh, Tracy Ellis Ross. Uh, Leslie Uggams. It has such a fantastic cast. And it's... Oh, and Issa Rae. And it's... Uh, you know the director showed up at the afi premiere and he's like you know this and there was a QA with robert Townsend. and afterwards like this film was heavily inspired by hollywood shuffle and you can feel it and i love hollywood shuffle so this is about kind of black representation in the literary world uh but i can i cannot wait to talk about this movie with you all the kind strangers so bert kennedy is the director and he did this he did the first Adaptation of The Killer Inside Me with Stacey Keach and Susan Tyrell, which I love. I think it's vile and violent and very effective. But he also did this film with Stacy Keach, which I think was made for TV, starring a young John Savage and then Samantha Egger. And it's about this group of like redneck children in the outback who lure, who any adults that come close to their home, they kind of lure in and force them to become parental figures for them. Oh. And it's, Sounds more effective than it is, but Stacy Keach gets roped into giving this little kid a ride home through the swamp and finds Samantha Egger there, who's not really the mom posing as this mom for these posse of kids, and then in a very menacing, threatening way to like start calling him Papa over dinner. We did a live review of
0: a nightmare on Elm Street Part Two for Halloween. So of course we had to watch a nightmare on Elm Street and A Nightmare on Elm Street Part Three. Um, both better than uh part two I think yeah, that's true <laughs> uh
1: and but also I wouldn't sit there I don't think they're scary films in it, in any regard but have moments that I like the first one the Johnny Depp death scene I think is pretty good and I love Ronnie Ronnie Blakely
0: and I think the third one the acting uh is better like from Lawrence Fishburne
1: and Patricia Arquette and yes and some the set pieces are pretty damn good in Dream Warriors. Um, yeah. And it, that was directed by Chuck Russell, who would go on to do The Mask with Jim Carrey.
0: Then we had a poll for creature features, and one of the options was Piranha, uh, which didn't win, so we ended up watching it. I, th- This is whose first film?
1: It's not his first film, but Joe Dante, who did The Howling and uh, uh, Gremlins?
0: Oh, I thought there was something significant about Piranha that you kept telling me like trying to convince me to watch it
1: that i love it i think it's a lot of fun
0: um i don't recall ever watching this movie and it was so crazy because the minute we see those claymation like mutant creatures creatures i was like what the hell is this and the main lady oh my god she was the original karen she's just stomping through everything like oh yeah Mm -hmm. like thinks she's entitled to do everything i was so frustrated by her and then the wilderness man who ends up sacrificing his life to rid Every one of the
1: piranhas, I felt so bad for him. Kevin McCarthy, the like uh, the the one who had uh, worked in the the one who had the
0: cabin, and then he ends up swimming oh, down. The, yeah, that guy. I feel like his demise was not
1: fair. She should have gone down there and sacrificed herself. <laughs> uh, but I did oh, Bradford Dillman and um, Heather Menzies, Eric. Uh, but I really like Barbara Steele. If you haven't seen the 1970s Piranha,
0: I would recommend it. We do need to take a break, though. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC.
1: More movies. You watched Brides. Uh, the 2014 debut of Georgian director Tina Tine Ad- Adrashvili, who I just interviewed for um, a Q&A because her newest film, Citizen Saint, is Georgia's official Oscar submission for best, uh, international feature. Uh, so I tried to catch up with brides, which was interesting. Um, I think the lead actor was quite good as this woman who, um, whose long-term boyfriend is in prison and she marries him while he's serving the six year sentence for stealing something, a bike. Maybe I don't remember now, but, uh, and it's about this uh, similarly kind of, uh, intersected with other women that have to marry these men serving these, uh, Really long prison sentences for minor crimes. You watched Shockwaves. You watched part of it too. Yeah. Uh, Ken Wiederhorn. Uh, it sounded fantastic because and it stars Peter Cushing and Brooke Adams uh, as this group of people who get stranded on an island uh, where there are Nazi zombies. <laughs> the zombies themselves are kind of creepy because they're these, you know, Germans in the water. Uh. Yeah. But it gets old real fast. Lady Killer? Uh Grasshopper Films have restored a couple of Jean Grammy Gremillon films. Uh, who is a notable pre war French filmmaker who directed quite a few notable films, but a lot of his stuff has never kind of come over here. Uh, I think I watched a really great film with Micheline Prell called Uh For the Love of a Woman. Uh, which I, I really liked. But anyway, I watched Lady Killer starring a young Jean Gabin and an interesting person named Muriel Balin who got herself hemmed up with a Nazi and uh, kind of got kind of got fucked up over it in her real life. But anyway, uh, Lady Killer is kind of... it's It seems like it's a romantic melodrama and then becomes straight-up film noir. Uh, and, and I really did like the ending where he has to kill this terrible woman that he's been obsessed with. But uh, yeah, we re-
0: we rewatched ghost well we watched ghostbusters i don't remember
1: the last time i watched that movie i don't either it's was before i met you that i watched the original 1984 film i don't think i've seen ghostbusters since the late
0: 80s maybe oh wow yeah i didn't remember i mean it, we recently watched ghostbusters 2 this year which was not good no. and i think that movie has one of the <laughs> sigourney's performance as a mother is I mean she's the most unmotherly mother. Oh. <laughs> <Aww. laughs>
1: but um in this film uh I I thought it was good. It's it's good. I think it's re- it's of course really silly. I think what I don't like about it is kind of the fan the strange fan base that's built up around it and that all that shit that happened about the 2016 female led re- re- reboot that I don't know why anybody was upset about any of that shit. But I really like Bill Murray. Bill Murray's very funny. Yeah. I can see why Kalis likes him mm-hmm. um, and
0: Rick Moranis. I he's cute. He's cute, but I could see how he really didn't
1: <laughs> go anywhere. I don't know. I like his interactions with Sigourney. Dana Barrett, because she's trying. Sigourney to looks really good. She looks fantastic, but she keeps trying to tiptoe down the hallway to her apartment because he's yeah. always waiting for waiting her. Waiting for her. <laughs> the
0: special effects didn't age well. Some no, of them. Some of the the practical. Some do.
1: The practical effects look great.
0: Anytime well, Slimer you, looks good too, and that's yeah. not practical. But and, like the dog leaving the the apartment building and chasing Rick Moranis, that looks terrible. Yeah. Ballad of the Sad Cafe.
1: So I read this Carson McCullers novella, I think god last year maybe uh and knowing full well that i always wanted to watch the film version from 1991 directed by simon callow the actor starring vanessa redgrave and keith carradine and rod steiger um i think vanessa redgraves is quite striking and very well cast as this tall big woman uh but i was super annoyed with her Her cousin that shows up that she becomes fascinated with and then ends up betraying her played by an actor who's now dead named cork Hubbard. i I thought he was so cornball collins and he looks like this comedian named michael henry but um yeah
0: continuing on the final destination train we watched the final destination which is the fourth installment uh so uh with david r ellis who did the second one i believe returning now we've seen all five i don't remember the fifth one so i might have to rewatch it but uh this fourth one the final destination was horrible yeah i think the fact that it was supposed to be in 3d didn't help because the 2009 technology is not great and then because we're not watching it in 3d we watched it on max Mm -hmm. so i don't know if it wasn't remastered for non-3d it just looks the special effects
1: are terrible but and on and about on par with the fucking storytelling which is just uh,
0: i feel like a movie if this movie i feel like the first movie had better special effects than this one
1: and speaking of yeah and speaking of uh the director coming back it's like oh we need a black person like tc carson in the second one and this one is McKelty williamson i feel bad for his character. i, I felt bad for him too because this is he's above this you watched Fallen Angel? Mm, a Preminger noir that I've never seen that I was very excited to watch starring Alice Faye and Linda Darnell and my like fa- I really, I mean, you know, when I was first introduced to Dana Andrews, I thought he was so handsome um, Let me see in his heyday. Is. But it's about a man that falls in love with this waitress, Linda Darnell, who who also had a terrible, horrible death in real life. She burned to death. Um Oh, Dana Andrews reminds me of someone
0: huh. Well, he's very handsome.
1: Yeah, uh, but and you've seen him and stuff. I I made you watch curse of the demon night of the demon. That's a favorite of mine. But so he falls in love with his waitress, but he doesn't have nearly enough money to get her attention. He's like, look, <laughs> Damn. I, if you agree to marry me, I will make sure we get money. And she's like, oh, yeah, how are you going to do that? And she so he's like, I'm going to marry this rich girl. That I've been introduced with her cold sister played by the great Anne Revere, but Alice Faye, and this is a kind of out al- the last of Alice Faye's who is a very well known singer performer actor. This is her last kind of heyday because she got mad about how they edited it to feature Linda Darnell, who was a more beautiful newcomer. So she kind of like just left Hollywood until the 60s. Anyway, he's like, I'm going to marry this rich woman. And he does. And she knows what he's doing. And then on the night of his wedding, he goes to Linda Darnell and he's like, Hey, I married her. We're going to be all good, right? And then the next morning, Linda Darnell has been murdered. (laughs) Oh, so we have to figure out who and why did that. But of course, this hot to trot waitress has been uh, dipping her toes into all kinds of pools. And the killer ends up being Charles Bickford, the police investigator that's trying to nail it uh, on Dana Andrews.
0: Why did you watch Charlie Wilson's war?
1: Uh, cause I've never seen it. Oh, uh, it's the last film directed by Mike Nichols, who, you know, is I, a, a fantastic film director who's afraid of Virginia Woolf, working girl, the graduate. I mean, I could go on and on, but I'd never seen this and it's written by Aaron Sorkin. It's very well written. It's an intelligent film. It's about, uh, uh, this Congressman who apparently, uh, with his backdoor dealings, was able to get weapons to the uh, Afghanistan to Afghanistan in the eighties when the Soviet Union was trying to bomb them out of the sky, and uh, because of that, uh, I guess ended up ended up with the end of the Cold War and the fall of the Berlin Wall. Uh, but I think, and Philip Seymour Hoffman was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. I think Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks is so boring to me. I am so tired of it. He's so boring. Boring. Julie Roberts is boring to me. I was bored with these two people. Lastly, you've been talking about
0: Mrs. Doubtfire for weeks and weeks. So we finally watched it. I know I've seen it. I don't remember. It had to have been a year after it came out. So it's been 20 plus years for sure since I've seen it. But um robin williams is magical perfection magical i cried several times watching him just knowing that he's gone he's so good he's like yeah he's just magic i, I have, do have issues with this story i though. do too i haven't <laughs> seen it
1: since i was a kid but i remember my mom taking me that to this and i don't think my parents they're still married i don't think they should be but i remember thinking like these two lovely parents and these these children in this nice now fill five million dollar home in san francisco like they're getting divorced why aren't mine and i wanted those two people i remember at that age as a third grader really wishing they'd stayed together but now
0: <laughs> my biggest problem with mrs doubtfire is Robin Williams is so frustrating. Like the judge told you get, you have 90 days to get your shit together and we can reevaluate your custody um, situation. And instead of him like getting a job and focusing on that and getting his apartment. Nice. This fool decides to dress up as an old lady to be the nanny for his children. So he can spend more time with them, which of course jeopardizes his chances of having his kids at all. And ultimately it does. Like mm-hmm. if he's found out, they go back after the 90 days and the judge is like, you clearly have demonstrated that you're deceptive and blah, blah, blah. So I'm granting full custody to the mother. But a side plot is that Robin Williams' character is offered like a hosting gig on a TV channel that ends up becoming like a hit. Mm-hmm. He's like a Mr. Rogers type person, but he's doing it as Euphigenia Doubtfire. <laughs> yeah. So then I thought I kind of felt a way about Sally Fields character because she sees that and then she goes to him and goes, well, now that you have your shit together, you know, let's try to work something out. So then the final scene of the film is him.
1: It's missing something between when they're arguing about the birthday party he throws in the house and then the divorce proceedings where she wants sole custody. Like why sole custody? Like you're not going to give him a minute to find a place.
0: I almost feel like it would have made more sense to not have this be about custody, but more about the divorce. Mm-hmm. Like she said, like, cause I think I, I agree. I feel like it should have been the party. And then she goes, I'm done. We need to separate. And that means that I need time, but he like, so that maybe they got back together. I don't need them to be together. I think,
1: no, I don't either. And looking back, it's like, Oh, he's so irresponsible when he walks out of that job. Cause it opens with him doing voice work for this bird that gets forced to smoke a cigarette and he's very anti-smoking. And it's like, well, you're also giving up on money. And you... Yeah. I just think that he's so irresponsible
0: and like this whole custody thing just seems so ridiculous. It is missing something. That being said, I did, um, I could totally rewatch this movie it's again very, and again. It's
1: very watchable. And, uh, you know, I love Harvey Fierstein, Fierstein in it, who has a great supporting role as Robin Williams' brother, who's extra gay. He's living in a happy, committed relationship with a man that he works with. And his family is supporting of him, yeah. su- supportive of him. The mother is closer to the gay one. Yeah. I mean... So so I like that aspect. It's a small step forward for a, a major studio film, but, you know, it... it just it, only three years later, uh, Robin Williams would be in the Birdcage. Wang Fu was after this, also with Robin and Harvey. Have one scene in that. I, I, yeah, I don't know. It it holds a special place in my heart. I think, and I, I hadn't. It's been years and years and years. And I don't know. It's, I did enjoy it. It's it's a lovely early '90s film. <laughs>
0: unfortunately there are entries in the obituary section since we last recorded of course richard roundtree died which is why we had him as a poll topic for our last live crack crack house and y'all selected crack house yeah uh which he's really not that prominent in but of course most people know him as being shaft and then in more recent time he was on the netflix series family reunion family reunion well uh, the theme song is sung by loretta divine it's who a plays poor, richard Roundtree's
1: wife in the series a poor loretta uh, impression i'm sorry yeah
0: and then richard mole died yeah who we know from night court yeah well me specifically i do too but he has a very recognizable face face yeah in stature and then of course matthew perry died i, I never watched friends i only watched one episode of friends however he you know what i should look this up
1: continue talking about matthew perry uh i mean you know i've seen uh, what's that movie with where he's the older version of zach efron oh 17. i have seen that movie. yeah we've seen that that's right <laughs> uh yeah i just I, I he was never a favorite persona of mine per se and maybe i was too young uh to uh, to watch friends and then you know i grew up in a seinfeld the kind of white family i grew up with like seinfeld so that that was what we watched on television
0: okay i'm I need, I need to figure this out so kids in the hall they're one of the actors from kids in the hall is is it dave foley okay dave foley is in a tv show with matthew perry called mm-hmm. i'm trying to figure this all out okay. right now tv show uh-huh. uh oh i think it's called the odd couple because oh, yeah, it yeah. also stars thomas lennon okay that for some reason i, I don't know if it's because that. matthew perry died but it was playing on the cruise ship oh, okay so i watched several episodes
1: oh odd well it died mid well you were mid-cruise i believe
0: um it was horrible okay well. he i did not care for this at all that he was the main reason he just seemed so out of it
1: but I mean to be, to be perfectly honest he wasn't a screen presence I like but I don't know
0: him. I mean he died at a young age, right He was only 54. Do you
1: remember that movie Three to Tango with him and Nev Campbell? No where the he everyone thinks he's gay in it and oh. he's in love with her I think in the big uh, denouement is he has to come out and say he's straight. Oh <laughs> I haven't watched that in years. Wow.
0: Well, let us take one more break on this day in 2010 the film for colored girls was released oh yeah so we have to give a shout out to the star of that film janet demita joe jackson
1: you can save your size
0: there are some other notable people in it there uh many. loretta divine Whoopi. whoopee goldberg tandua Tendewee newton
1: carrie washington carrie washington felicia rashad yep omari said, hardwick omar did you say loretta Devine? yes mm-hmm um walk he almost walked away with all my stuff
0: i would say it's tyler perry's best made film by far and best acted film it's
1: it's tyler perry doing lars von trier to black women it is depressing Mm oh michael ely michael ely killing some kids
0: oh and the one who i always well i can't say that but uh she's in uh of a mad black woman
1: oh kimberly elise
0: kimberly elise yeah you we're not going to say. You that. always say that about so, her. I, um, <sighs>
1: I really like Kimberly Elise. I think she's perfectly cast and set it off.
0: But anyway, um, shout out to uh, for Colored Girls. Woman, thou art loosed. Uh, for, the the full title of the play it's based on is For Colored Girls Who, Who Consider suicide, suicide When, when the, the rainbow, rainbow Is Not, not enough. enough. Yeah. All right, this week's secret movie was your choice. Yes. And you chose the nineteen eighty nine crime drama art film, The Cook. The thief, his wife, and her lover. Oh, directed by Peter Greenaway. Oh my God! Why did you choose this film? Because
1: I love this movie. I've seen it a handful of times. The last time I watched it, I had a movie night. This was right before I met you, uh, with uh, a handful of friends that came over. I don't remember what I made, uh, but it. Every time I see it, I just I love it. I
0: didn't love it. Joseph did not love this film. The premise. At Le Hollandaise Gourmet Restaurant, every night is filled with opulence, decadence, and gluttony. But when the cook, a thief, his wife, and her lover all come together, they unleash a shocking torrent of sex, food, murder, and revenge. Okay, I'm going to try to tell this story. So the thief is this, like, mafioso-type guy. He's British. They're in the UK. Played by Michael Gambon, who just recently died. And he ends up buying a restaurant, this Le Hollandaise. So he comes in there and he is overbearing, loud, obnoxious, vile. Like he's just despicable and he's really hard to watch. Mm -hmm. He's married, the wife, played by Helen Mirren. He brings her along, along with like his little minions. And they always want to sit at the big table in the middle of the restaurant, like Jesus and his disciples. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, there's a painting that's from the 1600s that... That
0: sort of mimics how they sit. Okay, so the first night that we see them eating there, there's a man sitting across from Helen Mirren by himself and they start to make eyes and he's the lover. And they immediately begin like a sexual romance. Every time she's there eating, he's there and they find a way to have sex. At first in the bathrooms, But then
1: the cook, Mm -hmm. who's played by Richard Boringer from uh, Jean-Jacques Benet's Diva,
0: the cook hates the thief because this man came over or took over his restaurant, is telling him what to do. So the cook and he feels sorry for the wife, so he starts helping the wife have encounters with her lover, who's played by
1: Uh, Alan Howard, who people might know as the voice of the Ring in the original Lord of the Rings films.
0: So for like an hour of this film, we just see everyone eating at this restaurant every night and the wife and the lover having sex in various places within the restaurant. When one day, one of the people who's sort of part of the larger party confronts the thief and he's, and she's like, you are despicable and you are so stupid. You don't know your wife is having sex with that man over there. You don't see every time she gets up, he gets up and they both leave for 20, 30 minutes. What do you think they're doing? And the thief goes off. He gets so mad. He ends up stabbing that lady in the face with his fork. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to eat him. I'm going to destroy him. But the cook helps the wife and the lover escape. And they end up holding up in a bookstore.
1: How they escape is really gross. We'll get
0: to it. Okay. So the thief does find them and he kills the lover. The thief kills the lover by shoving pages from his favorite book, the the lover's favorite book, down
1: his throat. About the French Revolution. Which is a
0: really gruesome scene. Mm -hmm. Of course, the wife is distraught. And she goes to the cook and says, will you cook my lover? Like, Mm -hmm. prepare him as a meal. The cook agrees. And the final scene of the film is, there's a private dinner. The thief shows up and the wife is like i'm so glad you came sit down i prepared this meal for you i've had this meal prepared for you and they wheel out the body of the lover prepared like one of those pigs at a luau and she holds a gun to his head and says eat him you said you were going to kill him and eat him so the husband the wife the thief takes a bite of the lover and then she shoots his ass and kills him and then says cannibal like she's disgusted The end
1: and curtains.
0: Oh, (laughs) you think this is a five out of five film? It is for me. I love it. I would give it two and a half out of five because I'm in the like, I don't like it, but there's a lot about it I do like. I think the production design is exquisite, Mm. the color blocking, the I mean, it's just.
1: Well, because the film is color coded, because like the, the dining area is red, the kitchen's green. Outside the of the bathroom's white. The, the wa- bathroom's white outside of it. It's blue, and there's supposed there's all these uh, visual metaphors going on with the theme of digestion.
0: But even the way whomever designed like the food, we'll, we'll, the- we'll, we'll, we'll get to it. But it's just. It's also the attention to detail and the cinematography.
1: Oh, Sasha Vienni. We'll
0: we'll get to it, but it's all so impeccable. But then the story, and we talked about this at length earlier today. This is just my personality. I don't like when people or things are like being shocking for shocks, like it, it just feels depraved to me okay like you just want attention you got everyone's attention now you have nothing to say
1: see i don't think it has nothing to say i think it's about the mixture of the sacred and profane like you know the the inevitable like the eating digestion shit like the 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 course of life
0: i i get all that but i don't but but i i, I think it did well enough without having to go overboard like so examples are the thief
1: he The actor playing him does a fabulous job. Michael Gamble, who most people know as uh, Dumbledore from the Harry Potter films, all except the first one.
0: But it's unrelenting, like for the entire length of the film until he is killed, it just feels like we get it, we get it. But then there's no balance to it because no one in the restaurant, no one is really reacting to him like, ugh. we don't get any background characters giving side eyes or saying he's an asshole or and i guess you could make an argument for like that is what they're trying to say is that everyone's just accepting him as that but as the audience it was exhausting it is then i think the casting didn't work for me i i okay i'm just gonna say it i don't i think the wife needed to either be a bombshell like a 10 or she needed to be this sad bowl of pudding who as the audience, we think, well, this is why she tolerates him because she feels like she she doesn't have any other option. See, the problem with Helen Mirren is Helen Mirren is
1: looks like a very strong woman, but she's not the most beautiful lady, not uh, in this movie. I like her face, but um, but, you know, she's she has a face that could be construed as regular, but this bang banging body. But to me, I think her casting works because she represents kind of this fruit that's withering on the vine.
0: But the problem is, I don't, she's real regular. Like, I don't think there, it, to me, there's no sense of withering because she's better looking. She wouldn't have man. been better looking 20 years prior. Like, she wouldn't have been, she looks, to me, she looks like she's in her 50s.
1: She's mid 40s. And then there's
0: another woman who's also always lingering who seems to be like, well, she looks like
1: a mother.
0: <laughs> I thought she was the thief's mother, but she's acting like she's some side piece. And that lady was also like, not cute and older I think
1: you're talking about Grace played by Grace Ms. yes Ms.
0: Smith so I didn't love Helen Mirren in this the other thing to mention is she doesn't talk I mean it's a plot point that she doesn't really talk much
1: well her so, her only kind of uh freedom is she keeps trying to smoke cigarettes in the beginning
0: so then it's like yeah she has a banging body but really we mostly just see her sitting there looking all sour so I I don't know it didn't work for me then the lover Mm-hmm. he's not very attractive <laughs> from the neck up sure we see him naked a lot and mm-hmm. he has a nice body and so does Helen Mirren but like he's a very regular looking man and there's even a plot point of the thief saying I, I could handle this better if he were like a young hot guy but he's like me
1: they all say things like that
0: and it, he yeah. kind of is like the thief. I mean, I think the lover is more attractive than the thief, but they're both about the same age. Michael Gambone
1: is giving me Ricky Gervais here.
0: They both seem very regular to me. Mm-hmm. If the thief weren't so vile, I wouldn't think he's gross. But I then the cook is speaking English, and his English is almost unintelligible. This is not a remastered version, so the audio is not the best. But I had a hard time understanding no titles, yeah. him, and his acting was crunchy to me. I thought it would have been brilliant to have the chef, the cook, speak French. And then there's a plot point made that Helen Mirren's character is a little more refined than her husband. Poisson. So I thought it would have been brilliant to have the chef, the cook, speak to Helen in French, knowing that her husband can't understand him. because So that would have been so fierce. And then also
1: maybe that actor could have had a better performance in French. Sure, but uh, maybe in something remastered that wouldn't play so bad. And if you had subtitles. But they, they do take pains to uh, Michael Gambon does tell him that he he thinks he should speak completely in French to be unintelligible to uh, the uh, patrons. To make it seem more fancy. To make it seem more fancy. And he goes, but you don't even really understand me now. <laughs> But the, the,
0: that's why I feel like it was a missed opportunity
1: because didn't the director see that this man's acting in English is not great? Well, this role was... So all of the original the four principals, all of their character names were written for the actors originally intended to play them. And Richard's the only original person playing Richard Borscht uh, because Georgina was supposed to be Georgina Hale. Albert was supposed to be Albert Finney. Um,
0: I mean, I guess we can continue to that final sort of... Towards the end when Helen Mirren goes to the cook to ask him it is shot so beautifully it's a wide shot at first of them sitting at like a counter Mm -hmm. and then her um asking him to do this thing and i just thought that entire scene was it's just a shame that it's so beautifully shot and then the dialogue and the acting just felt so flat to me like helen is not appealing to the cook's Mutual hatred for the she thief. Gets,
1: she gets there though. She
0: gets there, but not in, like she offers him eleven thousand pounds at first. But and I just thought
1: that was tacky. But and that's at the end. She first tries her body. She tr- right. She... But
0: like even that's tacky. Like they both share a hatred for this man. Why didn't she come out the gate saying, "I want to do this thing." And then we see them plotting and planning. I think that would have been so much more satisfying.
1: I, I see. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I feel like you're being a little bit nitpicky about it. But I I, I I
0: think there are too many things about this movie that didn't work for me to say it's a
1: five out of five. Oh, I love it. I I, I love don't think it. you're being
0: nitpicky enough.
1: Like to call it five out of five. Oh, my. No, no. because for me, for personally, this is a five. This is personally a five out of five film for me i could sit and watch this film i'm wowed by something new every time the score by michael nyman i'm in absolute love with um i do think you connect more
0: with this type of material
1: oh for sure yes
0: and i don't th- this is an aspect of people's personalities that i don't like i,
1: I don't like but it's but it, i'm re- I'm repelled and repulsed by it too but i also like that feeling of Th- that frustration I, I i like that it it has an effect. well here's an it. example
0: so i'm just going to go through my notes the opening of the film is we see the thief and his entourage show up to the restaurant to basically say like i'm running shit now and they bump into someone and they like i guess who works for him or the restaurant and they end up assaulting him they they take off his clothes so he's nude and they smear shit all like feces all over him mm-hmm. And I just thought that was such a like unsavory opening because then you have the thief who we end up finding out is super like OCD about cleanliness and he's there while they're rubbing shit all over this man. and He even steps on the man who's covered in shit and the thief is holding a cane that he pokes and prods the man with. I just thought that was so unbelievable that this person who's so obsessed with cleanliness would get feces on himself. And then he even says like, someone bring me a, a bowl of hot water and soap. It just, to me, that set the tone for the film that I think was maintained as like, just like nonsensically. Well, it's OTT. It, sure. It's OTT. He's, a,
1: he's an ogre from a fairy tale,
0: really. I don't like OTT in this way. And again, the only word I would use to describe this movie is depraved.
1: Sure. Uh, it, I, it's my favorite Greenaway film. A very close second, though, is A Zed in Two Knots, which he did after this. But
0: Okay. Also in this scene, we see that. The thief has brought along these two U-Haul trucks filled with meat, like frozen meat. There's and seafood
1: in one and then the other one's like land like, animals. Yeah.
0: And the cook is like, nah, I use my own shit. I'm not using this. First off, so in the beginning, when we see it, it looked so cool. Whoever d- designed that, it looks great. And then at the end of the film, when a lot of time has passed, maybe like days. I think a week. Like like a week. It's not weeks and weeks, but like a week. We the way the wife and the lover are able to escape is the cook puts them in one of those meat trucks
1: they've left the trucks out there and that <laughs> explains the roving dogs that are
0: yeah because we also see there are dogs always lingering around and that's because there's all this rotting meat in the front of the restaurant or in the back of the restaurant so we see helen Mirren and her lover who are naked mm-hmm. get into this rotted meat truck and even that was so well done it was so gross they have to
1: hold on to this rotting pig's head to not falling around back there see Uh, that
0: kind of shit works for me that was like the essence like the like the feeling i got of like oh i can only imagine what it would feel like to be scared and naked and then you run into this truck and it's filled with rotted meat that is enough. The, I don't need it like spelled out for me and then hit over the head
1: with. But it. I think it's also worth noting that Greenaway's narrative is heavily influenced by the uh, Jacobean play by Jean Ford Tis Pity She's a Whore, which is a decent Charlotte Rampling version of that play from 1971. But uh it, I think it thematically uh it fits the simplicity to the narrative of this 15 this play from the 1500s the man who's covered in shit eventually gets brought into the restaurant and they hose him down
0: in the kitchen mm-hmm. i was like this is so unsanitary mm-hmm. there is some little like albino no, i don't think the kid's albino he's like a toe head mm-hmm. uh singing <laughs> which is so obnoxious it's obnoxious but it to was... the point where even like the characters who are nice to him are like you could stop can we now. stop yeah. the
1: singing we could <laughs> maybe later that little kid gets tortured and put in the hospital too
0: the first scene where helen has sex like she kind of because the 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 lover is cruising her like by the bathrooms and then she ends up like i thought that was very well done Mm -hmm. that felt very like that was very well done it was very tense because then the thief like bust into the women's restroom looking for his wife and then the wife and the lover in one of the stalls that scene was extremely effective mm-hmm. again, getting back to the color coding of the different rooms, super well done. Um, at one point, cause we, it's pretty repetitive cause we keep seeing like every time we cut to a new scene, like with a different day, it's punctuated with the menu. Mm-hmm. So we see like Saturday, Sunday, Friday, Monday, whatever. But um, at one point, we see that Helen shows up all bruised up.
1: (laughs) Like, oh my god! He tries to have rape her in front of that kid, and he gets enraged that she's not wearing any panties, Uh, which I know is a word a lot of people don't like to hear. But that was Earth a kid. Oh, he's
0: so gross when he's always
1: grabbing on her. It's like, ugh, get off of me! Oh, he's always grabbing her breasts and talking about drinking human milk and getting her pregnant and. He's vile. And then you have um, some notables in his entourage, including Tim Roth, very young Tim Roth, and a young Karen Hines who is has very long hair, very young and handsome. When the
0: thief finds out his wife has been cheating on him or suspects that he can't find her, there's a really effective scene where he goes and basically tears up the kitchen. Mm-hmm. He's like a big kid having a tantrum. Oh, yeah. That was very well done.
1: But that's you know the cook hates him so much that you are tearing apart his holy place yeah and he hates you so much that he would rather have you
0: do that than give you what you want so the way the thief finds out where his wife and her lover are is that the the little toehead boy delivers them food and they the thief and his gang catch the little boy torture him and they beat the hell out of that little boy that was hard to watch it was hard to watch yeah (laughs) another scene that's hard to watch is them force-feeding the lover pages out of the book because they're using a wooden spoon Mm -hmm. is shoving it down his throat and you can see that it's all bloody Mm -hmm. that was really hard to watch um another example of what i thought felt depraved is we've already seen all of the abuse that this thief has doled out to everyone we can it's obvious that she's being abused physically sexually mentally by the thief but then after the her lover's killed she finds him and she lays next to him and she's like, I want to tell you something. Mm-hmm. And then she tells him about how her husband, the thief, had a suitcase by their bed filled with these objects like that he would basically want her to shove up her vagina. Mm-hmm. And if she wouldn't let him watch her do it, he would do it himself, which would hurt more. Mm-hmm. I just, I didn't need to hear that. I just felt like after everything we've seen, it just felt
1: like you are really trying to do too much but that does give us the dimension into his character because she it, it also suggests that maybe michael gambon's character might be gay she does hint at that he might not even like women like so he can't get hard so he has to have her shove these other phallic like things inside her it just
0: felt like it, it it just feels like when people who do that thing where it's like you like oh like, I, I could name countless you people. You shock value? Yeah. Just like, oh, I'm enjoying your conversation. You're smart, you're funny, you're cute. And then you just say something really crass out of the blue. It's like, this doesn't fit right now. If you want to tell the story about how you were sexually abused in this horrific way, then that deserves more time. Like, if that's the story we want
1: to tell. I don't like when things just get thrown out like, oh, you were raped. Like... You sure, know. but not d- d- in defense of this, what I think Greenway is trying to do with this film is sometimes like a fart or a burp, those unseemly, uncultured things just happen with they, the, and, and, the body. And
0: it does happen. I have people in my life who will,
1: like, will be casually
0: driving and they'll be like, oh, I was raped at that hotel. Uh-huh. And it's like, oh,
1: Uh-oh. okay, well. But, but the mind <sighs> is like part of the body. And sometimes, you know, I don't mind that scene. And I, I think it is trying to shock and provoke by her monologue but it's also couched in a way that's like i've never been able to tell anyone this before and she's telling her dead lover and saying i'm going to fall asleep and i want to wake up kissing you and when she wakes up there's tears coming out of her closed eyes saying like well you didn't kiss me like this is still a nightmare i'm living i I thought that was moving
0: uh, there are many moving points i do think that there's a lot that i really like about this film i'm giving it two and a half out of five because it didn't connect with me but i could see how people would like it i think this is an example of a film that could be remade uh, nobody could, nobody can do it like Greenaway. No, I don't know. I feel like you could pick something and focus more on like one aspect,
1: but it's not going to feel like a Greenaway film.
0: No, I don't need, well, I didn't like this one, so i it, oh, okay. it could be different, but I almost feel like the, it was giving me kind of like the menu.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Like where you want revenge on these vile people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because the revenge on the thief, him being killed at the end didn't was not very satisfying.
1: I <laughs> still, all. I love the slow motion shot of Helen Mirren holding the gun paired with the Michael Nyman score. And to me, that is a, a, a fucking brilliant crescendo. I love that. Even if it's just that one shot, I love it. I love it. Uh, I think it's worth noting. This was released as an NC 17 film. I can see why. <sighs> yeah. Because in America we're prudes, but, uh, this technically premiered, which is also has always surprised me at the Toronto International Film Festival. It's, I mean, the fact that this did not pre- premiere in competition at a Cannes or Venice is, I think, cinematic sacrilege. But, um, and also uh, we didn't bring up the fact that the costume designer was Jean Paul Gaultier.
0: Yes. But, but, but again, the making of this film, the visuals are like sumptuous.
1: So are you saying you'd never watch another Greenaway?
0: No, because I don't know another Greenaway film.
1: Well, is Ed and Two Knots is. I just rewatched that with my. Based on this
0: one, I would not look forward to it, and I feel like you. Well, you have a tendency to choose things that are only you care more about what you think than what other people might
1: think. (laughs) Why do I have to care what everybody else thinks all the time?
0: You don't have to care, but if the purpose—I mean, I've said this six times on the podcast—like if the goal is to have like a fun, interesting conversation, you don't think this was an
1: interesting conversation? uh,
0: I. I think the amount of time that it took to watch it discuss it and then now spend 23 minutes talking about it it wasn't worth (laughs) the.
1: damn well i mean but i hope
0: people enjoy it uh and i'm sure a lot of people like this movie. well
1: uh, your reaction should be validating to many i'm sure
0: (laughs) that's all i have for this film Mm -hmm. uh
1: what are we doing
0: in the coming week
1: well, it's a, we're traveling later in the week, but I think before we do that, we have to catch up with, I'm not looking forward to the Eternals. Was that what is it's no, called? No, the Mars. The Mar- <laughs> now, one little goddamn bit, uh, defi- despite the fact that it is from the director of Candyman, the reboot, Nia DaCosta, which I did like, but I, I don't like B. Larson. I don't
0: we're watching the marvels and something else thanksgiving
1: the new oh eli roth. The eli
0: roth i am looking forward to that i
1: am too and i think we're gonna miss out on nicholas cage's dream scenario which sounds really good
0: yeah that's okay um um God. well it is what it is uh and then we'll, we'll be in many we'll be in minneapolis
1: basically just for the weekend
0: for the weekend mm-hmm. to visit um family mm-hmm. yeah but if someone wants to take me to dinner that's uh no, I won't
1: have any time for that. Uh, well, you you, you want to take us all to dinner? There's like five, six people. <laughs> um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it for now. Oh, I, want, I hope I finished reading Orlando, rereading it by Virginia Woolf. And that Orlando, my political biography, doc comes out this week too. So I hope to fit that in. Oh, good. Anything mm-hmm. else? Are you going to watch The Killer on Netflix Did to you... review it? Mm-hmm. Probably not. Oh, okay. Well. You heard it here first, folks.
0: (laughs) Ta-ta.